Welcome to the Wellspring Church Podcast. We're an international church family who wants to see Jesus' love transform communities. This recording is a sermon from our Sunday service and will take you deeper into the Bible in a real and relevant way. Good morning, everybody. It's a joy and privilege to be sharing the word with you, and uh, thanks to those checking in online. I hope you're well also, and uh, hopefully we've got everybody in the room here. Now, we are continuing in our series of First and Second Peter. We're still in the first epistle, the first letter, and we've uh, called this series Living Stones, and uh, I shared a bit about that last week, but That's not to be mistaken for the living stone. The living stone is Christ Jesus himself. He, in fact, is also the cornerstone. And we, by faith in Christ and who he is and what he has done and achieved for us through his death and resurrection, we also are living stones built upon him. We're only living stones if we find ourselves on him. And... um, The thing is, uh, I shared last week about growing up. I believe Jesus is calling us as a church family, not just me, (laughs) to grow up. And uh, I feel like there's a continuation here for us today. uh, For my third point last week was to grow up in obedience to Jesus. And uh, I think we're going to spend some more time unpacking that one, particularly because I'm going to talk about the fun subject of suffering today. So you have been warned, we're going to be talking about suffering, which if you've been reading Peter, First Peter with us, you'll see it's come up a couple of times already and it will do so throughout the letter. Now last week I started off with just a, a simple analogy about growing up Uh, from scripture, from chapter 2, about a child drinking milk, or a baby drinking milk, and how it tastes sweet to them. It tastes good to them, right? But then I also mentioned about uh, online, you may have seen it, the viral thing about babies being fed lemons for the first time, right? And their face scrunching up, and because it's sour, and it's and uh, I had the pleasure of doing that to my daughters, because, you know, I love them that much, and I appreciate a fun time and their reaction. But today, I think, is really learning about the lemon part of life. And uh, for many of you here, maybe you don't like the taste of lemons, but as you've grown up, right, as you've matured with your taste palate, if you will, some of you here might enjoy, be partial to a lemonade. Anybody like a lemonade or a Sprite? Maybe you like a lemon sorbet. Maybe a lemon meringue pie. You see, we, we've learned to embrace the sour. And actually, we've taken something good from it. Um, a lemon meringue pie without the lemon is just a meringue pie. And <laughs> as good as that is, no, there's an edge that lemon brings to that. Suffering in life, when it's for Christ and with Christ and joining with him, it has that same effect. We can come to appreciate it as we're growing up in him and growing up together. Now, here's the flip side as well. There's things before, if we're not 
built on Christ, if our life before being built on the cornerstone, there's things in this world, the pleasures of this world that may seem appealing or may at once tasted good to us. As we've matured in our faith, as we've grown up, I think we come to find that they taste less good. In fact, they become ugh, repulsive. Those sweet, appealing things are yuck. That's not good for me. That's not good for my soul. That's not good for my family. I remember just a couple of weeks ago, I was out with Hannah um, because we like to plan Christmas early. It's part of the budgeting, really, these days. You need to get that conversation in soon. And we were out, and we, we went to get a hot chocolate. But Hannah wanted a very special hot chocolate, as if hot chocolate isn't special enough, right? She asked for a maple syrup, salted caramel hot chocolate, and it looked amazing. You know, it's got all the fancy sprinkles on it. And as she went to drink it, she put it back down on the table and she pushed it to the side and said, that's disgusting. <laughs> but, but I'm telling you now, if my daughter, Sailor, was presented that, that would have been tipped on her. Like she would have been drinking it whole. Maturity in Christ also helps us be repulsed by certain things of our former life. Or, or even of our flesh right now and nature. So we're going to be talking about suffering today. And uh, it's important that we realize, first point today is, as Christians, we are still called to suffer, just as Jesus Christ suffered for us. Being a Christian isn't some magic ticket away from suffering. If anything, it's towards suffering, but it's towards suffering with a purpose that Christ may be glorified. See, being built on the living stone as a house, as a family, this church family being built on the living stone, you would think maybe that means I avoid the storms, the winds and the waves. But it doesn't. Every house gets hit by winds and waves and storms. But the house that's built not just on the solid ground, but on the cornerstone, the house that puts up with the suffering of life, doesn't suddenly think, oh, I'm not... Just imagine, you're a living stone, right? Which means you have a personality. You can think, as a living stone, you may want to abandon the house. You want to leave the house. But, but the living stones that are gathered on the cornerstone, that allow the cornerstone to say, this is your dimensions, this is your placement, you stay here among the body, among the fellowship, on the cornerstone, regardless of the suffering, you stand. And you stand on Christ and for Christ. So this is what we're going to be looking at today. And because uh, we're progressively working way, our way through First uh, and Second Peter, last week I talked about Peter from chapter 2. And I said we needed to grow up in our identity and we needed to grow up on our purpose. And then I mentioned about grow up in our obedience. This is, we have to frame suffering today as obedience to Christ. Okay, that's, that's the framework we're talking about in suffering. So we're going to open up our Bibles, if you've got one, or turn them on. Chapter 3, we're going to read a portion from chapter 3, and we're going to read a portion to chapter 4. Because you'll see, Peter has sandwiched subjects together, and then brings them back up. It's like a bread layer, a meat layer, a bread layer. And so here we are in chapter 3, and we're going to read from verse 8. 
And don't worry, I will return back to the first part of chapter 3. But we're going to go from verse 8 all the way up to verse 17. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Amen. Hey? We're going to move into chapter four again, just to, if that wasn't strong enough, here we go again. Here's an echo from verse 12 up until the end of the chapter. Peter speaking again. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will, be, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. That's for all of us, church. Wasn't not just for those serving in some specific function within a church service. It's for the whole family. We've been created in advance by God, destined to do good works that glorify the Father in heaven. But in doing so, there'll be some sour moments. Maybe there'll be some sour prolonged moments. Maybe the lemonade would have more sour in it than aid. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like Maybe we're going to go through some tough stuff, some suffering, some trials and tribulations. 
maybe some insults, maybe exclusion, things like this. And I know one of the biggest things I have in my life when I face troublesome times is the question, why? Somebody give me the answer to why am I going through this? Why is it tough on me? Why is it tough on my family? Why is it tough on my loved ones? Why am I seeing so much pain when I know God is so good? And I've tasted chapter 2. I've tasted his salvation and it is good. But as I've grown in my salvation, there's been some sour moments. I'm just going to share, because I haven't got the answers to all the suffering, by the way. Don't, you're all eager, leaning in, right? Here's what it says in Peter. Notice in every chapter of Peter, 1 to 5, 1 Peter, he addresses suffering and he gives a reason towards it. Or he associates at least the suffering. In chapter 1, when he talks about suffering in verses 6 to 8, he talks about the fallen world. Don't forget, we're, we're in a broken world. This isn't how the Lord wanted it to be. But the Lord in his goodness and greatness is restoring and redeeming all things. But it's not how he wants it to be. If we progress into chapter 2 in verses 18 and 23, suffering is also therefore linked to injustice. People are experiencing injustice in the world. Consequence or sin and the consequences of sin. Here we go. More towards sin. Chapter 3, verse 13 and 18. The suffering is because of the sins of others. There's injustice, but there's all sorts of sins. There's all sorts of selfishness at work in the world. And the consequences of that repeat and repeat and hurt and hurt. This is why people are suffering. We go into chapter 4. And uh, we'll find out that they, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about this. In chapter 4, the suffering is framed because of the government. Because of worldly values, worldly understanding pushed upon people. And again, I, you, the root to this is selfishness and pride and ego. But just trying to give another layer to the suffering. Bring some more understanding to our lives. And then finally, if that wasn't enough, and probably the first thing we should really look to when, why is there suffering? Chapter 5 talks about the enemy, the deceiver, Satan. There is actually an evil force as well behind this. But this evil force, just for you to know, isn't some balancing, counterbalancing act to God's goodness. God is victorious. God is all-powerful. God is God. Satan is not. So don't think by... Binary logic, good and evil are at 50-50 at odds with one another. No way. Not in God's house. Not in God's world. God rules and reigns. He's sovereign. And part of his character and nature is to journey through suffering so that he would be glorified. Yes, he could do away with it. But God has greater purposes beyond our own understanding. His ways are higher. And I'm okay to put my trust in him. And put my trust in his word. We've got to trust his word. Trust the saints. Trust those who have walked the faith. Yeah. Let's trust God. So why is there suffering? For all those reasons. And so Jesus came to earth. Son of God. 
lived in perfection, came down to earth, came upon our plane, you know, was conceived, was a baby, grew up, matured as a human figure, and then at 30, had a public ministry sharing about the good news of the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent, because it is near. It has come. And then he died on a cross and rose again. Through his life, Jesus knew what it meant to suffer, particularly at the end of his life. We always fast forward straight to the crucifixion. You know, those last kind of 24 hours leading up to the crucifixion, they were as grim as could be. But Jesus endured. He persevered. Even before that, you could say the, the most difficult part was actually in, in the garden for him, where he sweat blood drops, stress and turmoil. But he said, not my will, but yours. I mean, I could really do with you taking this sour cup of lemonade from me, but not my will, yours. Now, as a Christian, my understanding is I have to follow Jesus. We sing a song last week, Christ alone. Not Jesus and my other buddy. Not Jesus and the world's moral code. Not Jesus and the teacher. Jesus is the teacher. We follow him and him alone. And we realized last week, you know, Peter, in the end of chapter 2, he talked about the shepherd, the overseer of our souls. And I related that to being Christ being the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, for the fold, right? But we know the good shepherd from Psalm 23, although we can trust him and he brings us rest and he provides for us, we know the good shepherd also leads us down the valley of the shadow of death. Oh, has he got, the, has he got it wrong? No. He hasn't got it wrong. He's actually with us through the valley, through the shadow of death. And here's the thing. As we walk, as we walk, as we walk, we must remember this. It's not we're stuck. Yeah. We're not parking in the valley of death. We're not parking in our suffering. We're walking through the valley to find safe pasture or to at least see God glorified. I want to encourage you in life, not just life for suffering, but in life, in your Christian walk, if we're doing it right, if we're doing it according to the book, if we're doing it faithfully and Jesus is Lord, then there will be times where our faith becomes a difficulty or even a, <laughs> a, a challenge to ourselves in living right, in living well, in, in standing up for things that are good. We have to continue the journey and not give up. This is so much more a call of perseverance in our lives, okay? But in Peter's day, when he's writing this, there is actual persecution breaking out all over Asia Minor, right? People are losing their lives for faith. I'm not just talking about being made a bit discomfort. And yet that became such a big thing for me. And yet that can be used to glorify Christ. I remember, so I've been a Christian basically from a young age. I was, thank God, I was brought up in a Christian family, in this Christian family, this house, if you will. And um, I didn't have a sort of running away from God, but I, I did have my sort of Sunday, I'm a Christian, midweek, 
I'm just David. Sunday, I'm a good Christian. Midweek, I do life on my own terms. And I remember in a RE class or RS class, I remember we were talking about Christianity and the teacher asked, oh, so how many of you are Christians here? And um, I looked around and nobody put their hands up. So I was like, well, I ain't a Christian then either. <laughs> and then I remember the, 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 the teacher was so um, surprised. It wouldn't probably be surprising today. I don't know. Um, but she asked again. And I felt, I felt it. I was like, oh, I am. But I don't want to. <laughs> I'm not sure. See, see, you're laughing. But like, this is mediocre stuff, right? This isn't like, are you a Christian? You're going to lose your life. This is... Are you a Christian? You're at school and there's friends who can see you, right? And I remember like wanting to put my hand up and then I think somebody else did. And God forgive me. I saw who put their hand up and I was like, well, I do not want to be associated with them. (laughs) I'm just being honest. The suffering. Oh, the suffering to be associated. You know what? God had to rebuke me. I felt so bad coming out of that class. It was like I'd failed a test, (laughs) which wasn't even set. We get so worried about what we look like, how we're perceived by people. The thing I was concerned about was now because of that, I'm going to be bullied or I'm going to be seen in a different way. I'm going to become a victim. Now here, I don't know at what point in my Christian faith, but this victim mentality that we have around the world um, that people talk about, um, it's not true to the Christian life, people. I am not a victim. None of you are victims if you're in faith, if you're on the cornerstone. We cannot allow that way of thinking to enter our minds. And I I gave you a very trivial thing, right? Let me talk to you about a time when I was working part-time for church and part-time for Next. A little shout-out for Next. They do very good smartware. And I remember I shared last week one of my weaknesses is... um, is uh, I need to be loved by people, you see? And, and that's a, not quite a blind spot, as, but I have weak moments where that's a blind spot. And I remember going to Next, and because I had to write out my CV, I told, like, you know, it's in there. I've gone to Bible college. Oh, man, I had to put that on there. And then I, and I'm working for a local church, and I love youth work and kids' work, and I'm teaching teenagers. And so a lot of the, the people found that because I handed it in, and then I got the call and I got, got the job, thank, thankfully. And um, I realised I was being excluded from some of their going out, from some of their social gatherings. And um, I realised I was just misunderstood. They're like, oh, well, well, but you're a Christian. Or not just you're a Christian, but you're a Christian minister. So you, you don't want to be associated with us. or You, you don't want to do these things that we're going on to. And I'm like, well, maybe not all of them, but like, I can at least share a lemonade with you. You know, like... but. But here's the thing, I could see myself as a victim in that mindset. And again, I'm encouraging you guys, get good relationships around you. At the time, I rang my friend from Bible college, Joseph Wondera from uh, Kenya. And I just had a moan. I just had a moan with him, like, I'm not getting invited out. I'm working. The whole point I'm here is to shine Jesus' light. And they're just closing the doors on me. And the same thing, keep going. That's what he said to me, persevere. If that's what you're there for, then keep going. Just keep going. And um, yeah, bless him. He, he, he prayed for me. And then I went back to work and I continued to do this. And after some time of being misunderstood, I got to share a clarity of 
who I am in Christ. I got to share more about what Christianity is about and what it's not about. And yeah, some of the things were right. Oh, so David, that means you don't sleep around. Yeah, that, that does mean I don't sleep around. Oh, so does that mean you're judging me? No, it doesn't mean I'm judging you. I just want a best life for you, a better life for you. And I know some of this stuff you're doing is hurting you. This is, this is God's heart, by the way. This isn't my moral stance. This is God's heart for all of us. He cares for you, and he wants the best for you. And guess what? Enduring suffering is part of God's best for you. Sharing in the sufferings of Christ. And eventually, I got invited out. I started hanging out with these guys. I didn't fall into sin, guys. I know, judging me for all those things I could have got up to. But here's the thing. Those relationships built so much so, I was getting messages with their broken relationships asking me to pray. Asking me to pray. Asking for relationship advice. Single David at the time. <laughs> yeah, come to me. I know what to say. It's partly most of the time, guys. It's just don't say anything. That's what I realized. Um, but here we go. We, we have to submit to the process. We have to submit to the suffering, the process God is taking us on, and not give up on the first hurdle or the second hurdle. Or I don't know, because some people in this room feels like you've done a lap, right? You're maybe on your third lap of hurdles. Just keep going. That's what I can encourage you to. And I know there's things people are going through, but just keep going. Now, we have to talk, this is the second point towards suffering. Suffering, at least in Peter, suffering, I take a guess, in the Bible, is always in the context of submission. To suffer means to submit to the right person, Jesus. And through the book of Peter, the first letter of Peter, you'll see submission come up a few times. In chapter 2, submission talks about the local authorities, we are, as Christian citizens, although we belong to the kingdom of God, we are to obey, we are to go with the authorities that have been placed there through God's sovereignty, even if we don't agree with them. Listen here, even if we don't agree with them. Now, if they're telling you not to preach the gospel and not say Jesus' name, that's a problem. See, Peter wrote this, but we know Peter in Acts, when he was told you can't say Jesus, you can't talk about Jesus. He disobeyed that one. He went and continued to share the gospel, okay? So let's realize that, that little caveat there. It continues in chapter two to talk about slaves and masters. And slavery of that day, we can equate it to sort of harsh working conditions as well. Let me just say, working today, your boss, your master, your line manager, whatever you want to call it, there's a thing about being a good worker. And what, what's interesting here, it talks about when they're harsh, when they're out of order. What does it say? Submit and be a good worker. So it's not on the condition of how they're treating you. It's actually God just commanding us, the word commanding us, Peter saying, submit, do right. In chapter 3, the part I skipped <gasps> was about the husbands and wife relationship. It says wives to submit unto their husbands. Okay, now, touchy subject, I know, but we're going in because it's in the word and God wants us to mature in our faith. And sometimes it's not easy to hear these things or even read them. Hopefully this will help you, even though it may be a bit sour. Peter talks about Abraham. 
He says that Sarah obeyed Abraham. Did you know that Sarah obeyed Abraham even though Abraham told her to lie? Happens twice. Abraham, in fear for her, trying to take control, even though God's got this master plan for him, he says, don't say you're my wife. And she submitted to him even though he was wrong. And yet here, Peter's commending him. It's not on the basis of the husband being right or wrong. It's on the basis of what God has called. And so she submitted. And it's accredited to her here. Amazing, right? If we go into chapter 5, we see generational submission as well. It talks about the young men submitting to their elders. And again, that's what I was saying. People who've walked in the faith. Let's understand. Let's, I just think we need to respect. I know I'm my age. I just want to respect those who've gone before us and not think I know better than them. They've been through it. They've learned some things. Maybe they've learned some things in a generation we weren't in, so we, we think we know better. But there's so much good. And God, again, is saying, submit unto him and his word. It's not about right or wrong. Now, here's the thing, because I have touched about it. Um, this is not an excuse for those in that transaction of power, if you will, to do evil, to do wrong, to do abuse. No. No, that's not right. That's not God giving a freebie card to those. And it's not saying you're better or worse or anything like that. It's simply the way God has set things up to honor him. It's all about him anyway. It's not about us. So let me just share with you, finally, in terms of how we are to think, in terms of surrender, surrender to the suffering, but also submission to Christ, we are to lead lives that are according to the book and according to the way God's prescribed things. Remember, he's the cornerstone. He's the one who chooses the dimensions. He's the one who chooses where you go. You don't go above below, you go here. You stay in that shape or you take form in that shape that God has given you because he's shaping us, right? Finally, one more thing to help you with the guidance on this. One thing I learned in Bible college, and I've added to it since, is, oh, how can I know what's right or wrong in these touchy gray areas when it's sweet and sour and all these things, right? If it's illegal, best not to do it, unless it's against the gospel. I'm saying it's free reign for the gospel, by the way. And, uh, yeah, we need to share the gospel more. Is it immoral? Immoral according to the word, not according to what the world says is immoral. Now, finally, one thing I've added to that in this time, is it selfish? Nothing really comes of good in the long run when something is out of a selfish motivation and gain. So I'm talking to families here. I'm talking to husbands and wives and children and, you know, it, or work as a boss or as an employee. Nothing should be done out of selfish ambition. It just doesn't work. And so I'm going to end with the words of Jesus. Oh, well, not really the words of Jesus, but um, Philippians. It's actually the words of Paul looking at Jesus. Many of you will know it. It's from um, chapter 2, verse 6. And at least in the NIV, it talks, imitating Christ's humility. This is the uh, subtitle it's given. In your relationships with one another, whatever relationship we're talking about here, all these relationships, 
have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. It continues. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. If I can welcome up the band. Suffering is something we are called to if we're following Jesus. Suffering also links to submission and surrender. We must submit unto God's way and not impose our ways on him. If I've caused pain and upset today... I apologize, but at the same time, I just want you to know, I just want the best for you. And this, I'm, I'm just pointing to the word here and hopefully the spirit as well. I'm not being able to administer every situation or circumstance, but here's the best part. Forget me. The Holy Spirit can lead and speak to each and every one of us. And so I'm simply going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak into our hearts. Whatever's been touched, whatever's been said, allow the Spirit to lead and guide you. So Heavenly Father, I thank you you're here by your Spirit. I thank you for your presence among us and in us. And I pray right now, Father, for this amazing church family that you would speak to them and continue speaking to them and leading them in whatever you have brought their attention to today or maybe even from before, Lord God. Father, we commit to your ways. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by what you've heard. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, Wellspring Church, or how you can grow with others in faith, Connect with us by clicking the link in the episode description or by joining us on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. in person and online.